All right, good morning, everyone. The um, passage of Scripture we're going to look at this morning is, um, is confusing. It is a great example of, um, of how not to write your sermon notes, honestly. Paul, Paul has, has a number of passages. Most of them we tend to think uh, of uh, you know, ones about controversial subjects, but Paul ends up with these things that he writes every now and then which are just require a couple of minutes. So we're going to get into it, and it's going to, it's going to be thick and heavy and, and difficult and all those wonderful things which are great on a morning where maybe some of us didn't sleep so well, where the weather was a bit, a bit different to what we were expecting. Um, but when the, Lord, when the Lord keeps waking you up and you keep saying, Lord, let me sleep, and he says, no, you need to get up and write this down, there's a wonderful sense that what we, what we are going to end up looking at this morning is really, really going to push some buttons for us this morning in good ways and maybe in difficult ways. So strap in. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to be your people. And this morning as we have a look at this, honestly, this passage of Scripture which seems a bit obscure, would you speak to us, please? Would you touch those things going on in our heart, things that you want to draw our attention to because you want to address? Lord God, we present ourselves before your word that we may be submitted to scrutiny by the word. Lord, please give us understanding. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you open our eyes and illuminate the text to us this morning that this would be very truly the the living, breathing words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's recap a little bit. We uh, we spent um, some time last week having a look at the end of chapter 3 um, and talking particularly about, again, this theme that Paul comes back to of wisdom and foolishness. And I'm just going to read through the passage again. Have just read it. Please have your Bible out. If you highlight things, highlight things. Um, if you underline things, underline things. I know some people have colored pencils for coloring things in. Um, I really recommend that. We're going to read just the first seven verses. And Paul has spent all of this time talking for the first three chapters and now in chapter four about leadership. He's writing to a group of of Christians who have become unhealthily um, embedded, bragging about their leaders. And I think there's a couple things in here this morning for us because every single one of us is supposed to be pointing other people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one of us has the call on us from God to be operating in some form of leading capacity for other people, that we're supposed to be a signpost, a witness, a lighthouse for God's kingdom. And at the same time, every one of us has has got people that we look to for, for leadership. There are people that we look to to go, help me to journey towards Jesus, people who are mentors, maybe people that that we haven't even seen in a long time. This is what this passage of Scripture is going to talk to us about this morning. Verse 1, Corinthians chapter 4. This then is how you ought to regard us. Paul speaking about himself and Apollos and Peter in particular. As servants of Christ. The word servant there literally comes from the expression of people who would row uh, in a ship together. That's how Paul says you are supposed to treat um, 
those who, who everyone else is bragging about. Treat us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. And straight away, Paul says, it's required that those, have, those who have been given a trust, what he says in verse 1, those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. The word there for prove is actually a legal term. Everything that Paul is about to then talk about in verse 3 and verse 4 comes back to verse 2. When he's talking about judging, you know, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. These aren't just kind of throwaway lines. This is specifically referring back to what he says in verse 2, that God has trusted him and he needs to prove faithful. So then when he says, I care very little if I am judged by you, he's saying, I care very little if you think I'm faithful. If I'm judged by you to be faithful, if I have proved faithful in your eyes or by any human court, indeed, I do not even judge myself. Paul is saying that he is not even prepared to commit in his own mind that he himself has completely proved faithful in what God has trusted him with. Verse 4, my conscience is clear, says Paul, but that does not make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me or assesses me or actually declares that I have proved faithful. Verse 5, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Right now, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, These people who are bragging about their leaders so much, he's saying, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. He's saying, right now, you can't be bragging about your leaders because you don't know if they're truly proving faithful until Christ comes. Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. And man, is that a scary thing when he does that. And he will expose the motives of the heart. And at that time, each will receive their praise from God. I've highlighted that up in red here because that is the main issue that Paul is confronting, is that people in the Corinthian church were praising their leaders and were bragging about their leaders and using whoever they were listening to the podcasts of and whoever's study Bible they had bought and whoever's sort of notes they were reading during the week. They were praising these leaders. And Paul is saying, no, 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 wait till the Lord comes. He will give praise to those, to those people, if they have proved faithful. And then here is, here is the, the really sharp part. Now, brothers and sisters, verse 6, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. Paul is saying to them, I am talking about myself and bringing myself down a couple of rungs and Apollos down a couple of rungs because it's in your best interest for me to do that so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. We're going to get into this in in just a minute, but Paul here is saying that your allegiance is not supposed to be attached to a pastor or an elder or a preacher or a bishop or any church leader person your allegiance is, is supposed to be on that which is written. This is certain. The heart of any human being is not. This is why Paul and Apollos have this saying, do not go beyond what is written, that your faith is supposed to be here. 
My faith is supposed to be here. And when we put our faith and our identity and when we trust the kind of the grounding of, of our walk with God to a person rather than to the scriptures, this is where we get out of kilter. This is where problems like the one Paul is addressing come up. Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. And here we find Paul summarized this idea. If your faith is based on the scripture, and if my faith is based on the scripture, and if the person next to you and two or three seats away is based on the scripture, who makes you different from anyone else? No one. We do not find the word clergy in the New Testament. In the New Testament, all we find is the people of God, literally laos, the laity, the people of God. And the idea of clergy or of some separate class of Christians does not exist in the Bible. It do, yeah, amen to that. It does not exist in the New Testament literature. Now, God still taps people on the shoulder and gets them to serve in different capacities, but that doesn't mean that their spiritual walk is different or higher or lower than anyone else's. For who makes you different from anyone else? The implied answer is no one. When each one of us wholeheartedly engages with the scriptures and with the gospel as the basis for our faith, there is no reason for anyone to brag. He says, then what do you have that you did not receive? He's saying to the Corinthian church, you have the scriptures. Your faith is supposed to be based in the scriptures. Someone came and gave that stuff to you. You're all on the same playing field. We're all on the same tier here. He says, if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? He's saying to them, you're all on the same level. Why are you bragging as though you got something that no one else did? There's, there's a point behind this that we haven't really addressed out of the first three and now into the four chapters of Corinthians. And the point is this. Paul is talking to a group of people who have ended up unhealthily putting their leadership on a pedestal. And we find that happening still today. And I'm sure that there's a lot of us in the room who straight away would say, oh, well, I don't do that. I certainly don't do that with Bob. I don't put any leader on a pedestal. I don't unhealthily invest in them. But what happens really often is when a leader fails, when there are pastors, elders, church folk, and when they fail, it can really rock us because we have invested in those people. We have kind of banked some of our safety sometimes in those people. See, the aim of all leadership in a Christian framework in, in whatever that looks like, however big or small a group of Christians is, however they meet together, whenever they meet together, whether, whether they are incredibly formal or incredibly informal, the role of anyone leading someone else is to attach people to Jesus. It's not for people to get attached to a leader, but to get attached to Jesus. And Paul, it seems here, is well aware that this doesn't always play out well. See, for those of us 
who, who um, have maybe a title or a position or have served in different capacities, sometimes it can be a little bit more obvious. But this is something that happens for every one of us where you, you go to have a faith-based conversation with someone and the person expresses more interest in you than they express in the Lord. And they go, oh, oh if, if I cling to you a little bit, then I'll be near to God. And you go, no, 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 get hold of God himself. When things really go pear-shaped, I'll use a little illustration in a minute, we can even end up with leaders who deliberately put themselves between people and Christ. It's really tempting sometimes that when we want to feel good or when we want to have validation, when we do want to be praised by people, what Paul here mentions is the opposite of verse 5. When we want to be praised by people or when we want people to like us, we actually don't point people to Jesus properly. This can be a difficult thing when faithfully representing Jesus actually means that people are going to really not like us when people are going to reject us for faithfully representing Christ. Sometimes we tempting to just massage the gospel, to massage our definition of sin. And it means that people hear, hear a message about God which is not accurate, which is misleading, but certainly makes the leader feel good about themselves. I was looking for an example to use, um, kind of popular culture example. One of my favorite authors, a guy by the name of um, J.R. Tolkien. A few people in here familiar with J.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit. Yeah, cool. He was a Christian and he was an artist but with words. And in this story, huge epic story that he writes, he includes these little snapshots of, of actually the story of Moses and the story of Joseph, and the story of Joshua, and the story of the, the apostles and the disciples. And he weaves them in as their own characters in these little vignettes to present gospel ideas throughout it. And one of the pictures which he weaves in is that there's a great city waiting for the king to return. Sound familiar? And when the king comes, he's going to put everything right. But there's a little chair next to the king's throne, and the little chair is for the steward. The city's called Gondor, and the seat is for the steward of Gondor, and he knows that he's not the king. And what happens in the story that J.R. Tolkien writes is that that person shipwrecks themselves and shipwrecks the kingdom. They really don't do very well. At the end of the story, it's very heroic. The king returns. Um, but it's this picture of someone who is not supposed to actually be the one in charge, someone who has been entrusted to use the language of Paul, they have been entrusted with something and the pressure is on for them to prove faithful and they deliberately get in the way. So Paul, when we have a look at these words in verse 6, he says, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. Paul knows that one of the, one of the true, good, healthy things for Christian leaders to do is to continually make sure that they can take themselves down a few rungs to continually keep that in check and to go, don't put me on a pedestal. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, don't put Apollos on a pedestal. See, one thing that can happen is that leaders buy the lie themselves and they see themselves improperly. That's really what this picture about the steward of Gondor is. 
But the other thing that happens is when people in the church unhealthily attach themselves to a particular leader, they might even stop moving in the direction of Christ. We can unhealthily emphasize the role of a particular leader in our lives to the point that they become our security blanket. We can end up thinking that, you know, if we just stay in that group or in that team or near that leader, if we, if we just keep going to that church or listening to those sermons or any of that sort of stuff, then we'll be all right. That person hears from God. That person reads their Bible. God does stuff in that person's life. I will stay warm because of the warmth of that person's relationship with God. We can actually supplant the role of God with a human being. And sometimes the experience happens for people that when someone they've been hanging around because of that person's relationship with God ends up moving or ends up leaving or ends up failing, it's confronting because all of a sudden there can be a realization, my own walk with God feels cold and not warm. It's stale and not fresh. It's not alive. Maybe it's actually dead. When we attach ourselves to someone else's faith, it can mask the truth of our own walk with God. It can mask the activity or the consequences of sin. It can mask shame and anger and bitterness and jealousy and disappointment and even the dysfunction of our life choices. This is what happens when we try and hide behind the faith of someone else and we can end up there accidentally. It's like we say to ourselves, you know what? I'm going to go to that church or group or ministry and enjoy the result. But consciously we can go, you know what? I still want to be in charge of my own life. That person is living so sacrificially. That person gets on their knees and they pray and I can see that they're in the Scriptures and I can see that they are hanging on to every word of God. I'm glad they are paying the price. I'm just going to hang out with them and get the effects and the benefits of their faith so that I don't have to pay the price myself. We can use the faith of others like friends with benefits, faith with benefits. So long as that person keeps living humbly and sacrificially and I stay near them, I don't have to pay the price. We can bank on another human being to give us the fulfillment from God that really we should be seeking for ourselves. This is a significant issue because leaders will let you down and disappoint you and not meet your needs. They will move away. God will reallocate them wherever he wants it to be every single time because the Lord is jealous for you. God is not interested in you riding on the coattails of someone else's faith. God is interested in you knowing him for himself. This saying is true. Do not go beyond what is written. Do not anchor yourself to another person. Anchor yourself to the gospel and to Christ and his spirit, to the living word. And hold the scriptures and the promises of God tighter than you hold any leader. Why do we do it? Why sometimes do we bank on someone else walking and talking with God for us? Well, it's because sometimes 
there's a fear that we are not meaningful to God, that God's more interested in someone else than he is in us. That's not true. That's not scriptural. Even when it feels that way, that's not reality. Sometimes the fear is actually the confrontation that comes from sitting and knowing that we are in the presence of God and there's nothing in between. There's a body language thing uh, sometimes when when two people uh, sit to have a conversation, sometimes they'll put a mug or a clipboard or a notepad or something on the table in front of them because it kind of forms uh, a physical barrier, even if it's only in their mind. This is why having hard conversations with coffee is a great idea. Sometimes when people, sometimes when people talk to one another and the conversation might be an awkward or, or difficult or, or conversation that might have some, some difficult content in it, sometimes people will stand in a way where there is a gap or a distance or something else in between them, like a counter or something. It's tempting for us in our relationship with God to put something in between, often to put another person in between, is to go, you know what, I'm not going to talk to God, but I'm going to talk to that person, that guy, that girl, that man, that woman, that Christian leader, because it's easier. It's easier than facing God wholeheartedly. And it's emotionally easier to keep someone between us and God. This is what was happening in Corinth. It's like putting a safety barrier in place. Sometimes it actually gives us a level of control. I'm going to follow that Christian leader And then when I don't like what I hear, I can deal with that Christian leader. I'm going to follow that Christian leader and and I'm allowed to to say no and I'm allowed to ignore them and I'm allowed to, to tell them what I think of them. But if we take the Christian leader out of the way, what then if I don't like what God says? What if I don't want to go where he leads me? What if I don't want to obey he himself? That's too hard. I won't talk to God. I'll just talk to that person. But again, here is the good news. God is jealous for you. If it were not for the goodness and love and mercy of God, Jesus would never have turned up. Jesus is far more interested in you. Jesus is interested in you knowing the Father and walking with the Spirit, with no one in between, no intermediary. Christ has paid the price. Jesus is enough. And this sounds really simple. It's tempting for us to go, I've heard it before. I know this already. I have just the right amount of distance between God and myself right now. I have, I have just the right number of podcasts which I've subscribed to. I have the right number of Christian books on my shelf. I don't want anything about my relationship with God to change. I know it already. I know that the scriptures say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And if we confess our sins, he is righteous and just to forgive us our sins. I know the scriptures say, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there is no intermediary between God and humanity except Jesus Christ. See, the issue is not that we know these things or that we don't know these things. The issue is how close to God do you want to get and are you satisfied having someone else standing in that place or not? 
What would it actually look like in your heart of hearts to not have any religious leader, past or present or future, standing between you and your walk with the Lord God? No one, no one to blame. It's difficult sometimes. I, I hear it a lot. People go, you know what? I was traveling in my walk with God so well, and then that leader failed, and I can't go on with God now. I've been stuck in the wilderness since that happened. And you go, really? Were they carrying you? Sometimes that's our expectation. That highlights to us maybe that we overinvested in that person rather than investing in our personal walk with the Lord. The issue is not that we don't know that God wants to draw near to us. The issue is it's really, really scary. And this is one space we end up in, this space of improperly viewing what Christian leaders are supposed to do. God is still God. The truth is still the truth, and God remains loving and just, and he wants you for himself. God will not allow you to have your faith anchored in a person other than him and be unchallenged. He loves you too much. He will provoke your thinking. He will push you to realize if that's something that's going on. Now, I'm sure that the content this morning has not been for everyone, but I know that there are probably some people in this room and your heart is kind of beating out of your chest. So let me finish on a story. There was a church I was involved in a couple of years ago, um, and I learned this lesson, exactly what Paul's been talking about, in a really big way. I'd, I'd never been in a small group really before, and, um, and I'd never had someone who would invest in me and walk with me and disciple me. And at this church, there was someone, and they were on staff of the church. They were a pastor. They were a couple of years older than me. And, and the great, wonderful, good, healthy stuff of discipleship started to happen. And it was great. We'd meet together and, and there was confession of sin and repentance and then looking at, all right, how do, we, how do we rewrite neural pathways? How do we change? How do we be transformed? How do we be the kind of men that God wants us to be? And then one day I didn't see this guy for a while. His name was Brad. And I didn't see Brad for, for a couple of weeks. And one Sunday morning um, there was a pause in the service and the pastor and the elders got up the front and Brad got up. And Brad confessed to the church that he had failed in a significant way. And until that moment, I didn't realize how much I was banking on Brad to carry my faith. In my heart of hearts, I had expected him almost to be my savior. It's a hard lesson to learn. So what do we do with this content? Maybe there's someone that you need to call. Maybe there's a person that you need to meet with. Maybe there's some time that you really need to put aside and just sit with the Lord and go, Lord, can you please lead my thinking? Have I, have I allowed anyone, whether it's a family member or a spouse, whether it's a Bible teacher or a pastor or a school teacher or a Bible study leader or a youth group leader, anything. Lord, have I, 
Have I kind of hoped that someone else would carry my faith? Have I gone beyond what is written and invested in a person unhealthily or unwisely? Let's pray together. And we're going to do one more song this morning. Lord God, I thank you that you are jealous for us. I thank you that you desire us to meet with you yourself. Lord, where there are leaders in churches which have failed, where there are leaders in churches which you have relocated, which you have moved because you need them somewhere else. Lord, where where there are, are any of these normal things that happen to get our attention, Lord God, please help us to act wisely and to do the thing that needs to be done. Lord, if we have been deliberately avoiding you, if we have been mucking around or or smoke screening or, or any of the other stuff to actually avoid addressing our walk with you and what it's really like, Lord God, would you draw us into that space, please? Would you speak to us? Please illuminate the scriptures to us. Please show us what's going on in our own hearts. Where we need to be healed, please heal us. Where we need to be transformed, please transform us. Where we need to be convicted of our sin or released from our shame, where we need to let go of our bitterness or our disappointment, Lord God, walk us through that, please. We thank you for those who do lead us. And we pray that on the day where you turn up, that they will be shown to have proved faithful with what you've trusted them with. Lord God, we thank you. And we ask that we would also prove faithful on that day. In your name, we commit all these things. Amen. Heather, would you come and lead us in our last song this morning?